Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. Through Jesus and through his death and through the giving of the Holy Spirit, we have even greater ability, greater capacity, greater spiritual power and grace to obey and follow what God has commanded us to do. Hi, I'm Gary Yates, the pastor of Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. Thank you for joining us for Living in the Word. We are continuing our study on the biblical covenants. In our previous study, we introduced the Mosaic Law and the Mosaic Covenant, which was foundational to God's relationship with Israel. The Torah is really the foundation of the entire Hebrew Bible. We are continuing that focus on both Mosaic Covenant and Mosaic Law uh, and trying to understand better their role, purpose, and function in the working out of salvation history. Uh, The better we understand the way that the covenant and the law worked for Israel, the more we can understand how to appreciate and apply and appropriate the law for us today. To better understand the law, uh, there are still other misconceptions about the law that sometimes cause us to read this part of Scripture in a very negative way. God did not give the law to condemn people. Uh, God was not setting Israel up for failure when he uh, made this covenant for them. The law was actually part of God's gracious covenant relationship with his people Israel. You can see the love of God and the grace of God uh, throughout this covenant. Now, we are no longer, as believers today, under the Mosaic covenant after the death of Jesus, but the law is still relevant and important for us today. Jesus did not fulfill the law, live out its demands, fulfill uh, you know, all the things that it anticipated so that we do not have to live it out. Jesus fulfilled the law so that we could live the righteousness that the law demanded and we could reflect that in our lives. Um, another misconception is that we often think that the Old Testament and Old Testament law is the opposite of everything that we have in Christ in the New Covenant and in the New Testament. There are certainly... Uh, discontinuities and differences in the Old and New Covenants, but there are similarities and continuities as well. The difference between the Old and New Covenant is not that one was law and the other is gospel. It's not that one was works and the other is based on grace and faith. It's not that the Old Covenant involved God's people trying as hard as they could in their own effort uh, and in their own strength to live out God's commands that gives way in the new covenant to a time when there is spiritual freedom and power and enablement from the spirit. Uh, that, that, those differences are not that sharp and pronounced. Law and grace work together in both the old covenant back then and in the new covenant today. There is grace along with law under the old covenant And as we move to the New Covenant, there is law that demands our obedience along with grace in the New Testament. The New Testament talks about the law of Christ. There is grace running through the Old Covenant. God entered into a covenant with Abraham and Israel because of grace. Abraham was from an idol-worshiping family in Mesopotamia. People were saved by grace through faith under the Mosaic Covenant in the same way that we are today. Uh, God demanded faithful obedience from Israel under the, under the Mosaic Covenant, but he also understood as the Lord that, that they would not be able to provide him 
with perfect obedience. That the Lord was not expecting perfect obedience from his people. He was expecting uh, faithful obedience. The Lord in the law itself provided sacrifices so that Israel could be forgiven and restored and so that their sins could be atoned for when they broke the commandments. Uh, Right from the very beginning of the covenant, the Lord extended mercy and grace to Israel when they they disobeyed and broke the commandments. The, The Lord was merciful to Israel when they broke the covenant, worshiped the golden calf, uh, all before Moses had even come down the mountain with all of the, the commandments. So at the very beginning of this covenant relationship, they cheated on God on the honeymoon. The ink had not even dried on the covenant, but the Lord forgave them. And that kind of grace and forgiveness runs through the entire story of God's dealings with the people of Israel. We can't just read the Old Testament and see law and judgment There is grace and mercy and forgiveness as well. Uh, In fact, when Moses asked to see the glory of God uh, after the failure of Israel at Mount Sinai, the Lord showed him his glory, but the Lord also revealed his character in what he said to Moses during that time. And God had revealed himself to Moses previously as I am, And now the Lord speaks in a way when he reveals this glory that fills in what this I am and who this I am God is and what he's like. And here's what it says in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am, I am, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty and even visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. God is a God of judgment, no doubt about that. We see that at Mount Sinai in the way that he responded to the people when they worshiped the calf. But God's grace and God's mercy and forgiveness and covenant faithfulness trump his judgment, and, and the Lord continues his relationship with Israel even when they sin and fail over and over again. This confession in Exodus 34, 6, and 7, in fact, becomes the central theological belief of the people of Israel about God. And we see this confession from Exodus 34, 6, and 7 repeated at least 8, 9, 10 times in the Old Testament. At critical moments in Israel's history, they would need the Lord's grace and forgiveness in the same way they did right at the very beginning. So this is there at the beginning, It's there in the middle, it's there at the end, and God deals with his people in mercy and in grace. The law had high standards of obedience, and and there were severe consequences for those obedience. But when we compare the Old and New Covenants, faith and works operate essentially in the same way in the Old Covenant as in the New Covenant. Israel was saved by faith under the Old Covenant, And they lived out the law, they performed the sacrifices as an expression of that faith. James says that faith without works is dead. And Israel showed that their faith was real by the way that they kept the law. But in the same way, we are saved by our faith in what God has done for us in Christ. But good works and spiritual fruit in our lives are are the evidence that our faith is real. And so... uh, salvation and discipleship are not separate things. They go together, and and our faithfulness and our obedience to Christ is what demonstrates that our faith is real. It worked that way for Israel. 
And it's the same way for us today. Faith and works uh, are necessarily tied together in both covenants. Uh, when we go to the book of Deuteronomy, Daniel Block uh, is a writer that uh, has helped me to understand how extensively the book of Deuteronomy shows the triumph of the grace of God and how much grace uh, underlies the relationship between God and Israel within the Mosaic Covenant. The law was not a system of legalism. Uh, Israel obeyed and loved the Lord and kept his commandments as an expression of the gracious salvation that he had shown to them. Um, evidences of that grace. There was electing grace in that God chose Israel as his special people. The Lord reminds them in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, I did not choose you because you're the greatest of people. You're the smallest of people. I did not choose you because of your inherent goodness and obedience. You're a stiff-necked and rebellious people. There was a, a, a grace even in God choosing Israel to be his covenant people. There was God's redeeming grace that had freed Israel from their bondage uh, in Egypt and, and gave them the freedom to not, uh, to not be slaves of Pharaoh, but now they were free to serve the Lord. And, and their obedience is an expression of their gratitude for what God had done for them in redeeming them and saving them. Their obedience to God was an expression of love and gratitude toward God for all those things that he had done for them. The verb to give appears nearly 175 times in the book of Deuteronomy, over and over again, emphasizing the idea of all that God had done for Israel. That was the motivation for them to obey. This is not a legalistic system. This is a love relationship. Uh, Israel's obedience to the law did not come from simply some kind of external conformity to the rules. They're not just keeping rules and regulations. Their obedience to God was an expression of their love for him that came from their heart. And the heart in the Hebrew Bible is the very core of our being. Deuteronomy 6 says that Israel's primary responsibility under the Mosaic Covenant was to love the Lord their God with all of their heart and then to have his commandments written on their heart as well. It, it wasn't a conformity that they wore on the outside. It was an expression of what was truly on their hearts in the inside, at the core of their being. The Torah Psalms in Psalms 1, 19 and 119 expressed how much Old Covenant believers valued the law and the instruction and commandments that God had given to them. Psalm 1 says that the godly individual delights in the law of God and meditates on it, thinks about it day and night. In Psalm 19, David says that he values the law more than fine gold and pure honey. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Psalter because it emphasizes and reflects the centrality of the law to the people's relationship with God. And the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. He loves to read it, to learn it, to make it a part of his life. And he prays that the Lord would teach him the law and then give him the power and the strength to obey it. Uh, this doesn't sound like legalism. This sounds like love and grace. In Psalm 40, David says that the only right response to how God had saved him from the miry pit and God rescued me and delivered, the only way that I can express my thanks back to God is to give him a life of obedience. And, and he states there in Psalm 40, verse 8, that the law of God is written on his heart. 
So going back to the very beginning of this covenant relationship, when Israel told the Lord, we will do everything that the law teaches us, Exodus 24, uh, they were not making a, a mistake. They were not getting into something um, you know, that ultimately uh, would, would, would be a burden. The covenant they were entering into was a source of life and blessing. And, and God's word does that for us as, as well. It was the same for Israel. When God gave Israel the Mosaic law, he was not setting them up for failure. And in fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 11 to 14 is a passage I'd like to read because it expresses the truth that God had saved Israel, God had delivered them, and God had given them commandments that they would be able to obey as they lived in covenant with the Lord. So Deuteronomy 30 verse 11 says this, For this commandment that I give you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But this word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. You know the law. I've laid it out in front of you. I've saved you. I've redeemed you. I've given you the power to obey this. And so God gave them a law and a set of commands that they could follow and obey. He had redeemed them so that they could obey. Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 to 17, go on to say that he wanted them to keep the law so that they would experience life and blessing in the promised land. God wanted his people to flourish and to be blessed, and God desires that for us today. God wanted that blessing for his people more than anything else, and there was enablement and power that made that possible. In Psalm 51, David's uh, great confession, uh, David says at some point in the prayer, created me a clean heart and renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. So true believers under the Mosaic Covenant received a transformed heart and a steadfast spirit that enabled them to obey. There was Holy Spirit enablement even under the old covenant, that gave those who truly knew the Lord the capacity to be loyal to God and to live out his commands. And so I think to understand the Mosaic covenant and its importance in the Mosaic law, it helps us to realize the grace that comes along with God's commands. And through Jesus and through his death and through the giving of the Holy Spirit, we have even greater ability, greater capacity, greater spiritual power and grace to obey and follow what God has commanded us to do. Uh, salvation and discipleship are not separate from one another. God saves us in order that we can live for him, obey him, and honor him with our lives. And God has given us the grace and the power.